what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.tv. My name is Alan, and with me, as always, is Chris. Hello, fellow listeners and lovers of film. Yes, we are here today with Foot Candle Films, our ongoing show where we Pick a couple movies, uh, recent new movies. We'll give them a little review treatment, a little discussion. We segue into some movie news, a few things that are uh, spiking our interest maybe in the movie industry world. And then we'll finish up with our recommendation. Uh, something you can find possibly online or something, a film you might have missed that each of us want to recommend for the episode here as well. So with that, we're going to jump right into one of our first two reviews. The two we're going to be doing today, Jurassic World. And we also have the latest Pixar film, Inside Out. Uh, we're going to start with Jurassic World. Chris, if that is okay with you. That Sounds good. Sense. Let's get into the latest installment of the Jurassic franchise with the Chris Pratt starring Jurassic World. We have learned more in the past decade from genetics been a century of digging up bones. A whole new frontier has opened up. We have our first genetically modified hybrid. We just went and made a new dinosaur? Probably not a good idea. Almost 40 feet high. Really think she climbed out? Depends. On what? What kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab? In a previous show, Alan, in the recommendation section of the show, mm-hmm. you actually kind of, in a way, unrecommended the 1993 Jurassic Park film. I did a reverse recommendation. Yes. It's a, something <laughs> I've patented. Yes. Right. And you basically, you know, you'd been a while since you'd seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went back and you watched it and you was like, you know, just didn't, there wasn't a lot there for me. Um, yeah. Originally, though, when you'd seen it, you kind of liked it. There's I, actually a poster hanging in the hallways of our uh, work where of the Jurassic Park. Well, let me Park let me poster. let me let me explain a few things. Sure. Um, I saw the original Jurassic Park in kind of a unique situation while I was in college. I was on a date, first date with a girl. That was kind of an awkward situation to begin with. Okay. Saw it in a crowd full of a lot of families that brought their little kids, and huh. the little kids got all freaked out and got carted out in the middle <laughs> of the movie. Wow. Um, I thought the movie was fine. In 93 when it came out. Okay. I was not over the moon about it. Gotcha. I was a big Steven Spielberg fan, but I did not think this was one of his finer works. Okay. The reason we had the poster hanging in our office is because somewhere I found it really, really cheap. Oh. And I do think <laughs> the iconic imagery of the poster is actually kind of cool. Sure. So that's, that's all there is to it. Okay. I love the idea of dinosaur movies. I love the idea of big monster movies. But the original Jurassic Park, I do not love. Gotcha. For whatever it's worth there. So with this movie, we have a new director. We have uh, mm-hmm. Colin Trevorrow. And then we also have, like you had mentioned, we have Mr. Chris Pratt, who was able yes. to, you know, soldier on with Guardians of the Galaxy, kind of made a movie star status with, with that film. Yes. So with Jurassic World, my wife actually going into this movie, she said, you know, 
all the Jurassic Park movies, basically, which is Jurassic World, but, you know, Jurassic Park, it's dinosaurs on island, people get to island, dinosaur gets loose, dinosaur attacks people, kill dinosaur. That's, she's like, what is this movie? She has a future in Hollywood, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Right. What is this movie? Like, if you know what you're getting into, anybody going to see these movies knows that basically that that's what you're going to get. Yeah. Was there enough in the film besides your general, you know, you know, you know, the, you know, what's going to happen. It's so Mm -hmm. predictable, Mm -hmm. but was there enough there that you found yourself enjoying the film? Yes. <laughs> that is a, that is a hesitant, uh, um, hesitant yes. I'll, I'll say this. I thought the movie was fine. Hmm. Fine. And I generally enjoyed it. Okay. And I'll tell you the reasons I did generally enjoy it, but I have a lot of issues as well. I do think it added a little bit more to that formula your, your wife was commenting on. Okay. In that... I like the concept we're faced with here, which the idea is that Jurassic Park happened yep. 20 years ago. Right. Somehow they've figured out how to make it work. It has now become an official theme park, which is something I think when we all saw Jurassic Park back in the 90s, we all thought it would be cool to eventually see what a real theme park would look like with all these dinosaurs. Well, now we get to see it. Gotcha. And that concept behind it is pretty cool. I mean, I actually like the little montage at the beginning where we kind of see some of the little attractions. We get to see some of the rides the kids are on. I mean, it was it was cool. That was a cool concept. You knew where the film was going to go. You knew something was going to get out. You knew something bad was going to happen. It sure. was going to terrorize. But it was okay because I liked the initial concept. I'm glad this was not another reiteration of, for some reason, we have to go back to this island where all these dinosaur things happen in the past and rescue somebody or find something. That's how Jurassic Park 2 and 3 basically were. Let's just repeat the same formula. So I do like this being different. And I like the fact that there was a little bit of meta messages going on in the film as well about people are kind of bored with dinosaurs now. People want something bigger. They want something scarier. So let's try to do that. And that's really what the film was trying to do too. So at that surface level, the film was mildly enjoyable. There again, I think I see the criterion collection of this DVD. I'm just, I mean, Alan Jackson's quote will be mildly enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. It was a decent action popcorn movie that had a little bit more going for it than, than your typical run of the mill CGI laden movie. However, there were also some really, really big issues with it. So like a pterodactyl, I'm going to swoop in and save this movie. No, not really. But I am going to mention <laughs> some positives. Go ahead, uh, that, please, that I've got a few more positives, um, too. The, there, of course, you know, Spielberg, even though it's not his movie, he still executive produces yeah. it. The through line of, like, kids in peril or you're f- kind of following a pair of kids. Sure enough, this has uh, two brothers. Mm-hmm. The older brother, who was uh, named Zach, but he's uh, – the actor is Nick Robinson. Mm-hmm. I really liked his – what he what he didn't have a lot to do, but what he did do, I thought he did it well. I thought the kids in general were both pretty good. Um, the yeah, the old, you know young kid. It's like how much can you expect of a younger yeah. kid? And it's like, right. But no, he did fine. But the older brother, 
you know, playing the typical kind of disaffected teen, mm-hmm. but yet you could tell he really did care about like his younger brother. And sure. So I really liked his performance. And I remember seeing him in a small independent movie called Kings of summer. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, this was like a much bigger role, obviously. Yeah, so sure. I'm excited to see that he did okay with it. And hopefully there'll be more things to come his way. Mm-hmm. The film, I like the fact that I guess you, you know, obviously it's been a while since they've made Jurassic park movies. Jurassic world was a reboot of sorts, but yet they didn't throw out, all of the other three movies, they definitely referenced things from the movie. And yeah. that to me was a, that to me was kind of cool because it wasn't like they were just going to forget everything that ever happened. There's a park worker who's wearing mm-hmm. a Jurassic park logoed t-shirt. Yeah. And so they, you know, just, and then somebody says like, Oh, that's kind of in bad taste considering what happened. And yeah. like they, so they reference it, they mention it and maybe it's the inner geek in me that liked that. But yeah. I, I like that they they did that. And you touched on something that I also really appreciated. The original movie was all about kind of like science being used, but then kind of going wrong and not being really Mm -hmm. careful about how you investigate science and use science as a as a tool. Mm -hmm. And in this film, same type thing, you know, oh, let's make a bigger, badder dinosaur. And they're not really thinking about what that might mean, the repercussions mm-hmm. of that. And that harkened back to the original film where, you know, so sure. I liked some of the uh, referential things. And I guess in a way, this was also a referential moment. But um, the plot thread, and I won't go into specifics, mm-hmm. but the plot thread of how they brought back velociraptors. Yeah. And use them. Obviously, those were the big bad guys in the original movie. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. Yeah. I like okay. that. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that in my dislikes here in a minute. Okay. Um, I will say Jake Johnson, who plays the guy, the the, uh, the worker that you mentioned who had the T-shirt. Yes. A very small bit, very humor, uh, kind of the, the source of humor in the film. Yeah, he's kind of He was good. He was funny. I liked his role. Uh, I liked the fact that the kids were not terribly annoying, which they are in a lot of films these days. And, you know, here's one thing I noticed, and I don't know, I guess I can credit the director, uh, Colin Toraro, with this. Is you know, for uh, nowadays, we've talked about this in our reviews with big action CGI movies. Sometimes the action is just really hard to follow. It's part of the reason I really enjoyed Mad Max as much as I did because the action was so well shot. Right. Here, I actually thought the action was pretty good. I was I able would to agree. follow everything cleanly, even with dinosaurs that look relatively similar to one another. I could still figure out what was going on. I knew who was who. The action was easy to follow, and I always appreciate that in a big action movie these days. You know, apparently it seems like in superhero movies, they cannot follow the action. That seems to be a downfall for me mm-hmm. for, like, Avengers movies or, like, Transformers movies. They can't follow the action. I agree. That was a positive for me as well. I felt like I could follow what was going on. Mm-hmm. They paced it and spaced mm-hmm. it out so that you could follow. I will say a negative was something that I usually see in movies like – Spider-Man, the most recent Spider-Man where they had Electro, they had Rhino, and they kept piling on the bad guys. This movie, one of the things that irritated me was, I guess they were trying to make it more interesting and give the plot a little bit more like a twist and a turn, but they one bad guy wasn't enough. And then they would add another one. Like, for instance, I'll just, I won't go into too much detail here again, because, you know, even though this movie has made like millions and millions and millions of dollars, there probably are some people out there who haven't seen this yet. (laughs) I don't know who you are. Right. Yeah. There are a few. There's the Island owner. Yeah. And you're introduced to him and he seems like a good guy, but then you see, Oh, or actually he seems like kind of like a bad guy at first, but then you see, no, he maybe he's not that bad. 
but then they introduce a scientist like, okay, Mm. he's going to be the bad guy. And then no, he actually kind of has a little bit of redeeming. They keep shifting and it's like they weren't satisfied. They couldn't just let one person be a bad guy. They would then be like, oh, nope, they're actually good. And then they would move on Mm. to putting the blame on somebody else. And I felt like that wasn't really interesting and that was just kind of a lame a lame attempt at trying to create story where there was none. I feel like something else that they did in the movie that was pulling at the heartstrings maybe, and it just felt really tacked on the two boys that are there. Their parents are going through some marriage difficulties, very tacked on in the beginning. And then they disappear. And of course the boys go to Jurassic park. And at the end, needlessly, you have this kind of like happy kind of bookend moment that I thought was completely just Unearned. dumb. It just throw away. It didn't, yeah, it almost got the sense that if there was a longer movie and they cut some scenes out, they cut all the fat out, all the scenes that didn't have dinosaurs chasing people around. <laughs> there may have been some more of those human elements with the parents and the connectivity there, but they just said, "Yeah, let's just scrap all that and let's just get to the get to the fun stuff." Right. So, I will say, you know, from a dislike standpoint, and there are several things you you started to kind of go into your area. A little oh bit. yeah, I'm, um, I'm there now. I'm full on negative here. All right. Um, I personally thought Chris Pratt was horribly miscast in this film. They, the script needed him to be, and I'll use a word that they use in the film, a badass. Okay, The kids admired him as a badass. He was supposed to be this really just rock-solid action star. And Chris Pratt, they tease with him to want to be kind of funny, kind of a guardian of the galaxy every once in a while, right. but then they don't really know how to deal with that. <laughs> but yet you really want him to be this stoic, serious guy. And every time Chris Pratt tried to be stoic and serious, it was almost comical in a way. Hmm. You're just, he's just not there for that role. He was perfect in guardians of the galaxy here. I kind of felt like he just got shoved in this role because his name was going to bring people in the theater seats. I would so probably agree. With I would that. have rather had somebody, I'm almost thinking maybe a very, very serious, yeah, not Bruce Willis from the 80s when he was a slapsticky kind of funny guy, but right. Bruce Willis from the 90s where he was all action guy and all very serious and hmm. kind of had the serious face. You needed somebody more like that. Okay. Because there's even a moment in the, in, the, in the film where the boys are being rescued. This is from the pterodactyl attack. Yes. And, you know, they meet the Chris Pratt character. And uh, they're getting attacked, but all of a sudden their aunt, their aunt, the the Bryce Dallas Howard, is the one who saves them. Right. She's the one who pulls off a very heroic thing and actually saves Chris Pratt. Sure. But immediately when they get in the car to drive off and they're making some joke about who they're going to uh, – the, the, the girl's trying to give instructions what's going to happen. The boys are basically like, oh, no, no, no. We want to follow him right. because he's the big tough guy. And it's like <laughs> he hasn't really shown that yet. Sure. So anyway, I just think Chris Pratt was really miscast. I think it was just a money grab situation. I really think they could have gotten somebody better suited for that role. And it just didn't gel for me. So anyway, I'm curious to your thoughts on I, that. I would agree. I like I like Chris Pratt so much that it was hard. For, it's hard for me to criticize him. But yeah, I'll say that he was probably miscast. Yeah. I think he did the best that he could. But I'll no, agree. I don't. I don't blame him for it. I right. just think the role was not really meant for his his personality, his acting style. You you mentioned well I, before we get to your takedown of the Velociraptors because apparently you don't like that part. What did you think? This kind of irritated me because I thought it was going down a cool path where they were commenting on corporate sponsorship, mm-hmm. kind of like the old Epcot at Disney World. Like every attraction had to have a corporate sponsor, and their mm-hmm. logo was very forefront. I think she mentions at the beginning of the movie where she's talking to some investors about this new dinosaur. I think yeah. maybe Verizon is going to come yeah. on board mm-hmm. or something. Thought that was interesting. 
they kind of dropped that. Yeah. And then what really kind of irked me was every time I saw a vehicle going around, it was a Mercedes Benz. Yeah. Regardless if it was this like big truck like thing or like a nice sports car that was driving somebody important, they were all Mercedes. And I'm like, I feel like you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. They're trying know? to be. They're <laughs> trying to be make a critical comment on sport corporate sponsorship while at the same time there's a lot of corporate sponsorship <laughs> now and i'm curious the deals they had to work out i mean samsung was the samsung imagination center which is like the uh, headquarters there was a jimmy buffett's margaritaville downtown well, in there now with those some of the ones where it's just you just see it in passing right i get it they're trying to show that this was a real shopping center this is right. a real store thing but I do agree that when you see the Mercedes logo over and over again, you see certain corporate logos a lot more often than others. Right. It's like, yeah, I can kind of tell this wasn't just a let's throw this in there once to show that this is real. You do feel like there was corporate sponsorship yeah, going on. Like so. I get the I get the mall plaza like yeah. having all the big store because that makes it look authentic. Yeah. But then for all the vehicles, it's like, no, clearly Mercedes must sure. have paid you guys some money. So yeah, I just kind of urge that. All right. I really miss practical effects. You know, I know the original oh. Jurassic Park was both CGI, but there were a lot of practical effects, especially the T-Rex attacking the kids gotcha. in the original film. Here, there's really no practical it's dinosaurs. CGI. It's all CGI. That's a shame. I hate that. But I know that's the way things have gone. I think Vincent D'Onofrio as the bad guy was just over the top hammy. I really didn't like his performance Yeah, he here. was the third person Ugh. I was referencing. That Yeah, I just... By the time it got to him, I was so Well, by the time, him him having (laughs) to utter a line of, I want to turn dinosaurs into weapons in the army. I'm like, really? (laughs) Because not only A, does that sound like a bad idea, and you should know that's a bad idea, but B, you're saying it in such a Dr. Evil kind of way. It's just, the part was just over the top hammy. And it's a shame, because the last thing I saw Vincent D'Onofrio in was as Wilson Fisk in the Daredevil TV series. Which which you've recommended on this show. And he is the one of the best things in that show and to see him go to this movie and play such a curling the mustache at the end bad guy. <laughs> it was really sad to see. So really from a plot standpoint, I wasn't expecting much from plot and story. I was fine with it just being, Hey, we created a bad monster and Oh look, it's chasing people around and we got to stop it and everything's cool. Okay. The whole dinosaur whispering bit <laughs> with the velociraptors That's- and some, turns and allegiance they have at times i'm like ugh. that was actually me visibly rolling my eyes back when those happened in the film okay i the whole um yeah an an allegiance twist that happens i don't really buy that but using even having the velociraptors in the movie and all that stuff is okay concept i when it was introduced and you know chris pratt is kind of a trainer of velociraptors i'm like okay i'm actually kind of admiring where they're going with this the op- one of the opening scenes where he's trying to train them and something goes a little wrong right. you still know how terribly dangerous they are he hasn't turned them into pets and right. they make that very clear even in his dialogue with somebody right they're not pets this is they're still extremely dangerous and to stick them loose on the creature that they're trying to hunt down made perfect sense right it was the something that happened oh now all of a sudden something has changed and now they're not our friends anymore and but yet there's going to be maybe another change later on late in the film. It's like, okay, not even dogs can be trained to do that. I mean, dogs can't change allegiance like that and all of a sudden be like against you because now they're with somebody else. It's just (laughs) that whole thing was just groaning for me. I, I, if they could have somehow fixed that to not have that be the case with the Velociraptors, I would have been perfectly fine with the plot and story the way it went. Sure. 
Do you have any other misgivings with the film? Things that didn't go well? No, I think I think overall, you and I are probably on the same page with this film. Um, for I don't think it's a bad film because no, it does have either. the positives that I mentioned, which basically are, you know, the referential things that are trying to make it a little clever. Mm-hmm. I, I wish like, they would have carried through with more of those throughout the entire film. Sure, but they yeah. were at least they bothered as yeah. opposed to it just being, mm-hmm. you know, attacking ravaging dinosaur. I I thought it was an interesting attempt. I think it's it's a decent movie. Yeah. If you are interested in seeing it at all, you probably should see it in the theater. I yeah. would think, um, just because you know seeing dinosaurs on a big screen looks better than seeing them on your TV. And it had enough but, scare jump thrill moments that I think sure. seeing it with a big crowd of people is kind of fun to do too. Sure. Yeah. It was an enjoyable, I've actually seen it twice okay. for what it's worth. I saw it one time on my way to review it and then my boys wanted to see it. And I did think even though it was violent, there was a lot of death. There was the death was not terribly gratuitous visually. You know, it was a lot more off screen sure. and a lot more of a quick moments type of thing. So I thought it was okay for my preteen boys to see. I, th- um, I think if you liked, if you've seen the other Jurassic Parks and you like them, then you'll like this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, you know, as a movie reviewer point of this show, you know, we try to be fair to all movies and this is exactly what you expect. Yeah. My wife's like summary of it. Yep. And she could probably summarize the next 15 Jurassic Parks mm-hmm. or Jurassic Worlds. Would it be nice to have been surprised? Well, Yeah. But it, and it it's had okay. a few little moments where I thought it was going to surprise us more, but it just didn't go all the way with that surprise. And it was a fine film. That's why I guess my, my review is very agreeable. It's like it was what I expected. It was a fun popcorn movie. People seem to be enjoying it. Chris, I saw it a second time and was not bored the second time. Chris Pratt getting stepped on halfway through the movie. That surprised you there, right? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, him <laughs> being gone like in 20 minutes, but I did not expect that. He, right. That's not no. true. We're, we're joking <laughs> with you. All you Chris Pratt fans out there, relax. Relax. He's in the whole movie. He's good to go. So anyway. So that's Jurassic World. We're both saying, yeah, it's fine. It's good. Yeah. It's all right. It's Nothing not, terribly not a, offensive about it. It is not a bad movie. Yeah. I will say, though, out of the four Jurassic Park-related movies now, I have a hard time ranking them because I absolutely hated the second one, The Lost World. That was the Steven Spielberg sequel to Jurassic Park. That one, to me, was off the rails, crazy, just did not work for me at all. That's the one where the T-Rex ends up stomping around in uh, San Francisco, I believe, okay. at the end of the film. And then what's the third one? The third one I was, the a, I believe it's Joe confused. Johnson who was the director, and it was uh, Sam Neill returning he went, got sent to the island to basically go as a tour guide, paid a lot of money, but really they were, he was having, being used to try to rescue a boy who got lost there. Uh. I actually liked the third one because I didn't have any expectations. It was uh. just a B-movie of just a bunch of dinosaurs, a bunch of action. I thought it was fine. I actually, if I had to look back on it, I think this Jurassic World and the third one, I kind of see about the same. I'm gotcha. fine with them. Gotcha. Jurassic Park is classic and it has some classic moments and the T-Rex attack scene is still one of the best visual scary moments in a, in a PG 13 movie. (laughs) But I still had enough issues with the way it was made that I've I've had a little bit of a tarnished viewing of that over the years. So I guess in a way is Jurassic world, like my favorite Jurassic park movie. Maybe kind of sort of. Yeah. Sounds like maybe it is. So I think that's what I would say too, is that, Although I remember kind of liking Jeff Goldblum's character yeah. <laughs> in the first one. <clears throat> but yeah. I think overall, if I were to look at all the Jurassic Park movies, I think this is probably 
my favorite. I mean, of the... Which is crazy to think, but yeah, yeah it's all right. Okay. So that's Jurassic World uh, is definitely still out as of the time you probably listen to this, even if it's a year out later. I got a feeling it's still going to be at the theaters because it's making like a billion dollars or something right now. <laughs> so let's move on to our second review, which is the latest Pixar film, Inside Out. I'm Joy. This is Sadness. That's anger. What? This is disgust. Uh, and that's fear. Ah! We're Riley's emotions. These are Riley's memories. They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? Sadness. She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? I don't know. Take it back, Joy. Hey, Joy, no. Let's Wait. Go. The core memories. Ah! No, 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 no. With Pixar's latest film, Inside Out, uh, we have a situation of where we are following five characters that represent five different emotions inside a young 11-year-old girl. The idea is that these emotions are basically what help control how Riley, the young girl, react to her life and the kind of feelings that she has as she goes throughout the day. You've got joy, you've got disgust, you've got sadness, you've got anger, and you've got fear. Okay, your five emotions, and the idea is that these five through various combinations and feeding off each other, kind of make up the whole of parameters of, of emotions we have throughout the day. Emotions are stored and gathered, and we actually see a lot of that mechanical process behind the scenes. Uh, and it's a really just the whole world is created for us where I'd say 60 to 70% of the film is inside the mind of Riley, where the other 20, 30% is what we actually see her interacting in her real life. Sure. Uh, Pete Doctor is the director of this film, and he was also the one who did Up for uh, for Pixar. I was not a big fan of Up, other than the opening five to ten minutes emotional scene. I bet you were a big fan of the first. Oh, I love the opening ten minutes, but after that, the film just I didn't feel like was really that exciting or interesting. But I do think the concept was really unique. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, let me ask you with Inside Out. You've got a really high level concept here. Much yes. higher concept even than Up was. Sure. Does this film do anything more than just portray a really interesting concept, or is it an enjoyable film on its own merit as well? You know, that's that's interesting to ask, because I think the answer is, to me, it is an interesting exploration of an interesting concept about, mm -hmm. like, you know, imagining what was happening inside of mine and, like, personifying that as different figures and all that. Right. Interesting. Yeah. But... As far as the movie being fun yeah. or a fun time or enjoyable, you know, this movie is PG. It's obviously it's Disney, but like, I don't, I didn't go with my kids. I just went with my wife and I don't think it's a very fun movie. Mm -mm. Um, it's good. I liked the movie, <laughs> but it's just not fun because it's, it's kind of sad. It's kind of a downer. The yep. whole movie is kind of a downer. That being said, I admire it because that's kind of what the movie's going after. The movie's talking about how you can't just always have sunshine and roses. There's always, you know, there's sadness and how you do deal with it and how you choose to include it mm -hmm. um, is kind of an important part of life. And that's, you know, what the movie goes after. And I, 
I, so I liked it, but is it enjoyable like a typical like you know Big Hero Six type Pixar movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, well, and Big Hero Six was Disney, Disney, not, not Pixar. Pixar. Right, okay. Pixar is definitely gone for more of the emotional levels. Other than their sequels, I think Monsters University and Cars Two right. were kind of just that was like rare instances of just let's go after the sequel side of things. But with Up, even with Ratatouille, with Wall-E. These films are definitely going for something different. I, I think you you must have been reading my notes because that's basically <laughs> where I am with this. I love the concept and I admired what they're trying to do with it. It was a very intelligent film, but not really fun. No. And kind of boring at times, a little predictable, like the whole two of the characters going on a journey and having to kind of make it back. You knew where everything was going to go. Sure. You kind of knew how this film was going to wrap up. So it wasn't really interesting or exciting to follow from a plot standpoint. But I was fascinated with the mechanics of what they were trying to show or, or the concept they were trying to trying to come across with. It was very, very detailed, complex. I mean, it's actually very complicated what's going on inside the head, which I guess makes sense. Makes sense. There's sure. a lot of emotions. There's all these memories stored and certain memories are core memories and core memories have this function, but all the rest of the memories are stored over time. Some of those memories start to fade away. I mean, it was a very complex process and a very complex concept to the film. And I liked trying to figure that all out. And a lot of it made sense. You know, you see certain little moments in the film where something's happening to a memory and you're like, well, yeah, that totally makes sense. That is what happens to a memory. Sure. So that whole side of it was fascinating. But it's just it wasn't a very fun, enjoyable film. Um, <laughs> I do think the acting, the voice acting was, voice acting? was great. I think all the voice acting was Who was really your favorite? Good. I like Lewis Black in general, okay. and I just think Lewis Black is hilarious to listen and to. And he played? He played hate or anger. Anger, uh, of course. Which made sense. I thought he was really good. I really liked Bill Hader. I thought he was really good as fear, maybe a little over the top. He was more the he was the more cartoonish of all the, the emotions, I thought. I really did like um, Sadness. I just thought Sadness's voice. And, I think... Phyllis Smith, who yeah. you may, she played. She was in the office. She was in the she office. She played Phyllis in the right? office. And so I think she, she made this movie for yeah. me. I agree. Um, I think she was that she's the outstanding. And I, if you would have said like, oh yeah, her part as sadness, like Phyllis Smith's just going to knock it out of the park. But I thought she did. She wasn't over the top. You know, she could have just been this really morose character all of the time. Yeah. And just, she was the I only just, one who wasn't cartoonish in any way. True. Everybody else was a little amped up, a little over the top, a little more stereotypical. She was, she was an interesting character. Yeah. I think she was an interesting emotion. I think that's obviously the, the, the whole point of the story as well, is that sadness is a very interesting emotion that plays a lot more in our, our life than maybe we, we, we feel like it should. Right. Um, so I admired the film. I don't really have a desire to see it a second time. Hmm. I'm okay. I really like the concept. I like the intelligent nature of it. And I thought the voice, that voice acting was really good. But as far as, you know, being able to really sit down for another 90 minutes and enjoy a film, not really. You know, it's, it just didn't have anything else going for it beyond the concept itself. I actually would maybe like to see it again, I think. Okay. But uh, the fact that I'm not just running out to see it again, mm-hmm. I think, does... Because it wasn't necessarily enjoyable, like you're saying. It was mm-hmm. an interesting film, but it wasn't fun. Um, I did think the length was pretty good. You know, I like oh, yeah. movies good that length. are you know, nice and short. And Do you feel like – I was discussing this movie with some people before I'd gone to go see it. You know, all the hype was out about how this was kind of a return to form for Pixar and everything. And my statement was, you know what? I will go see it, 
but I'm really interested to see because a lot of people were saying not only is it good, but they were saying you know, it was very emotional. Like take your box of Kleenex mm-hmm. with you. And I said, you know, I don't mind if a movie does make you cry, but I want for it to feel like it earned it. Yeah. And I wanted, I was interested. Do you feel like this movie earned the emotional response it was trying to get from you? Or did you feel like it was kind of just, you know, tugging too hard? You know, I was really wrestling with that. I just saw this last night. I'm really wrestling with whether I thought, thought the ending, which was emotional, and it did get me a little bit. I couldn't decide afterwards if I felt like it was more on the line of manipulative mm-hmm. or earned. And it's somewhere in the middle. I mean, I think there's enough <laughs> in the film that, that bleeds to the ending to get you, and it obviously gets you choked up a little bit, and it works. But as I look back on it, I'm like, well, did it earn it, the whole movie? I don't know. And I really don't know. Because, again, I, I think it's just because I wasn't having as much fun with the movie as sure. I was hoping to have. Right. Maybe that's why I felt a little more distance from the ending than maybe I could have otherwise. I, I, for me, I felt like it did earn it. Okay. And I think part of it comes because it did kind of have a serious tone mm-hmm. the whole movie. And I guess I, I felt like the emotion was there because they weren't trying to just make everything sunshine. And mm-hmm. like, you know, so the fact that they kept it kind of semi-serious, I, I felt like it earned it. Okay. But right. yeah. I, I was torn on it. Again, I really questioned myself, like, why was I getting emotional at the end? Was it because they just knew exactly how to play the heartstrings at this moment? Or did it because I actually felt like it built for 90 minutes up to this point and, and, and made it work? Um, that may be another one where I, I need to see it again. I mean, even though I'm not rushing out to go see it, if I did <laughs> see it again, that's probably where I'm going to spend more attention thinking about it. Um, um, i got a question for you. Yeah, sure. A couple questions, actually. Uh, and you don't have to go into great detail. I just mm-hmm. want to know, are you on or not on Team Bing Bong? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you don't have to go into a lot of detail. It's a character that is in this film. Are you for, are you anti or pro Bing Bong? I'll say pro. <laughs> a very I hesitant think, pro. I, no, I'm, I'm really having to think through it, but I think okay. I get what the Bing Bong character was there to represent. Yep. I liked the way the Bing Bong character exited the film. Yep. Okay. I thought that was admirable. Okay. Um, and yes, it was the most cartoonish, over-the-top, silly cartoon character, but it's meant to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. Right. So I was t- I was fine with it. Yes. I, I am also on Team Bing Bong. Mm-hmm. Believe it okay. or not, I, I am. Team okay. Bing Bong. <laughs> Team and Bing Bong. I just like saying Bing Bong anyway. It is, so, I mean, it's, it's it very is kind of fun. I will say there's one, there's one gag throughout the film that I thought – was really funny and it's the memory of a jingle a bubblegum jingle commercial and because it's so true how somehow that will just pop in your head at random times and the way they played with that throughout the film three or four moments was i thought really really funny really well really well you mean like rice aroni the san francisco treat (laughs) that was my childhood that commercial would like pop into my head over and over again so yes that also totally relatable that was one of those moments where it just it, it was smart. It was intelligent, but it also made perfect sense. Like sure. you, there's moments where you're watching the film. You're like, yep, I totally get that. That's exactly how my brain works as well. So from that standpoint, I do think it's a really good film to watch. I wish it was a little more fun. I wish the journey aspect that took up a, a good chunk of the time was a little more exciting, a little more engaging, a little more fun. I, I think it was hard to really connect with these emotions as sure. characters you knew they were emotions, but I didn't really know anything about them as far as characters. So it's just, 
it could have been phenomenal. This film could have been just amazing if it had just been a little more fun and engaging during the whole plot part of it. But uh, the concept itself, I think, makes it a good film to watch regardless. Question I also have as well. Um, All the voices in the heads of other characters, for instance, you get to see inside the dad, uh, Riley's dad, and inside Riley's mom. And for some reason, I couldn't quite wrap my head around this, like in the dad's head, the different emotions are all Lewis Black, like the little flame character, let's call him. Well, he no, was, not he the would, dad. The dad The dad actually had all five of the same emotions, but they all looked right. I mean, they more would be, like with mustaches and all right, that. It would be like the anger character, but not anger, but like it'd be like the little red man with like one would have a mustache, one would have a hat. And then in the mom, yeah. she would have like basically a sadness looking character and she, they would all be like variations. So I was wondering why in a little girl you had five distinct emotions. And then in the adult, you just had one character with variations on the style. I think what it is, is that it's supposed to say that all five, everybody has those five emotions, right? Cause they're all di- five different colors. They all kind of represented those emotions, but yet over the years, they have all adopted, and one of them has become the leader. The, the, okay. 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 I think the dad, the anger, or was Lewis, the lead emotion. Right, I can see but let's not say the dad's an angry guy. He does not appear to be no. an angry guy, but no. that's the one that was tended to call the shots more. I see. I think the mom, the sadness, tended to call the shots more. Not to say that there wasn't joy and there wasn't the other feelings, but... The sadness was kind of the lead emotion. Right. The young girl, joy. And you hope joy stays the lead emotion as they're growing up. And that's part of the challenge of the film. I think if they had not resolved the story the way they did, it's very possible one of those other emotions was going to take the lead. Okay. Either fear or anger was going to become the lead emotion for Riley as she grew up. So... Is that kind of a negative commentary then on females and males, actually, because dominant for female is like a sadness type driven character for male. It's like an anger driven character. It was kind of interesting. I thought actually the mom, I'm glad you brought it up. I thought the mom's interior side was interesting because, yes, they all looked a little more like the sadness character. Right. Sadness seemed to be the lead, which I never got the sense that the mom was a sad person at all. I, I didn't either. But and also they would kind of default to the whole let's remember that scuba instructor or whatever from our trip <laughs> a helicopter something so a little bit of a, 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 a lornful of a of a life they maybe missed out right. on got you where the father i don't get the sense that he was at all an angry person no but somehow anger was kind of the steering uh, uh, emotion yeah it's kind of an interesting commentary on that and if you notice whenever we saw in the closing credits we saw like little popping into different people's heads mm-hmm. Yeah, there was different lead characters and all those. Now the cab driver was like everybody was anger. Like all five emotions were anger. Like okay. they looked exactly like anger. So it's like okay. anger had definitely taken over the emotional realm of this person. So it was it was an interesting commentary. And it was almost like we're, we were kind of being shown a moment where, you know, there's a whole saying that kids are pure when they're born. And it's all about how they're exposed to things that helped them decide how they're going to grow up. It's almost like we were being exploring, we were being privy to that moment where this young girl could have chosen a path. She could have become a very hateful young teenager. She could have become a very fearful teenager. She could have become one of these that's just disgusted at everything. It's like, where was she going to go? And, you know, the movie's trying to show that somewhere a lead emotion is going to take lead. Sure. Yeah, it was it was interesting. You're right. Some good commentary on that. Okay. Uh, 
That's the part of the film I liked. Sure. That's the part of the film I really liked is that (laughs) kind of thought process to it. Last question I have for you, and it's kind of an easy one, but if, and we probably assume there will be, because I think this is also being rather successful, at least it's a critical success, um, would you be interested in seeing a sequel at all? No. 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 You think they've done what they can do with this idea? Move on. The concept's done. It's kind of like WALL-E. WALL-E does not need a sequel. The concept was a high concept. It was done. It met the story needs. There's absolutely no need for a sequel to a film like that. Up, no sequel. Um, This one, no sequel. Yes, Cars. Okay, fine. Even though I hated the sequel (laughs) and I wasn't a big fan of the original, that at least lended itself to more of a franchise setup where you could do more adventures with those characters. This one, no. I mean, you've, you've told the story. Sure. There's nothing else to tell. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So that's uh, that's what about you? Would you have any interest in a sequel? Uh, in this? I'm on the same page with okay. you, I think. Right. One Good. and done. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to some movie news if we can. We just finished our reviews of both Jurassic World and Inside Out. Both of them getting good reviews from us. I think we're probably a little more optimistic on Inside Out, but neither film getting getting just over the top glowing reviews from us either. So. Um, let's move on to some movie news. Now, Chris, you said you had a couple of items for us, a couple of news items. I'll tell you what we're going to do is we're going to take a really quick break. And I just teased you on that. I hope that's okay. <laughs> we come back here in just a minute, and then we'll uh, jump into our movie news. So get your news item ready. We'll be right back with Foot Candle Films here in just a moment. I'm with the band on the TV, Features regional music acts discussing their craft and live performances. Subscribe to I'm With The Band on the Mesh.TV and swim around in the heads of your favorite regional musicians. Hello and welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV. Alan and Chris with you. We just finished our reviews of Jurassic World and Inside Out and we're going to move on to some movie news. Chris, what do you have to share with us for the first item? Alan, how excited are you that the director of Lord of Lords of Salem, the Halloween reboots and house of a thousand corpses. This is Rob zombie. Mm. How excited are you for his next film, Alan? <clears throat> I actually heard what his next film was just the other day and I can't remember what it is right now. It's a remake of something, isn't it? Well, okay. Maybe this is not his next film, but it's the one like maybe two from now. Okay. But still, All right. Here's what he's supposedly doing now. He's going to okay. be directing this film. It's going to be a biopic Oh. About Groucho Marx. Yes, I did hear about this. And basically the way this comes about is there was a book written by uh, like a archivist or secretary that worked for Groucho Marx during the later years mm-hmm. of his life. And it, the book was called uh, Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Groucho's House. And so mm-hmm. basically you get insight into like what being famous and what his life was kind of like. I could not believe that Mr. Rob Zombie, <laughs> who is also, you know, he had his own musical career as well. Mm-hmm was going to make this movie, but I'm really interested <laughs> to see what well, he does. Interested is a good word. I, I, um, have I seen a Rob Zombie film? Let me think through. I think I saw part of his attempt at redoing Halloween. I have not one. seen any of his films. Yeah. And I, yeah, I really have no interest in any of his filmography. I am interested in the Groucho Marx documentary am, or I not am, documentary, but biography movie. I am interested so, in that just by itself. And the fact that he's directing it, I'm like, Absolutely. Now, let me add a little, mm-hmm. little extra little seasoning to this. So, Love and Mercy, which neither of us have seen, but it is a biopic about Brian Wilson yes. that's out right now. Hopefully, we may review it in an upcoming show. The guy who wrote the screenplay for that is writing the screenplay for this. So, 
There maybe, I mean, maybe it's one of those things where Rob Zombie is just really wanting to be a true director. And it's he's not like, just, I'm tired of the horror it's not stuff. just a horror fetish thing. He really is wanting to be a full well-rounded director. And he says, okay, he's fascinated with Groucho Marx as a character. I, I can see how, I mean, I, I, on the surface, they don't seem like they would be at all similar celebrity wise, yeah. but I could see how somebody like Rob Zombie may be he fascinated with Groucho And he Marx. apparently is a big fan of Groucho okay. Marx. So. so maybe this is just a way for his to flex his director muscles and try something a little different. I'm all for it. The proof's in the pudding. We'll see what happens when it actually comes together. I so want this movie to be good just because I want him to somehow be at the Oscars. That's that's <laughs> what I want. I want him to be sitting out in the crowd looking like yeah. death warmed over with all his like dreadlocks and like the big tall stovepipe hat you know okay. i just i can't wait for that to happen so well i'm rooting for maybe, you mr zombie maybe that'll be the chance there <laughs> there's no telling i'm i'm really curious i saw that that headline flash across and i thought what but i didn't read about it so i'm i'm really interested now as well okay um what have you got well we didn't really go into comic book territory talking jurassic world i know we did kind of the big popcorn cgi movie but sure. we didn't really talk comics and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that there's been just a lot of news about other comic book related movies. Maybe it's getting to a saturation point. I oh, kind of see. I think we're there. I see that on the horizon already. But let me bring up one story that I was just kind of curious about. So everything's been about Marvel movies the last several years. That's been all the rage, the Avengers, the all that stuff. And we've talked about those films that they've they've come out. DC, we've talked about as well. They are trying to pull together their their film franchise. Can DC do a successful comic book movie outside of Batman? Because the Supermans don't seem like they've ever really... Superman's not... Well, they're trying really hard. They've got this whole Justice League thing put together. (laughs) Right, right. But unfortunately, what I'm going to talk about is Batman. Okay. Um, The rumors have been this week that... Suicide Squad is a film coming out next year. Right. We I think we talked about that briefly. And that's uh, Jared Leto as the Joker in that... You've got um, a lot of villains who are now being asked to do something with the hero. Chess Oil in our studio waiting for our next recording has already given me the thumbs down on that. So it doesn't <laughs> sound terribly excited. Supposedly, the Batman makes a cameo appearance in Suicide Squad. According okay. to film reports, he was on set. Gotcha. Uh, uh, Mr. Ben Affleck was there. Now, Ben Affleck's going to be Batman in the Batman versus Superman movie, which also comes out next year. Right. The rumor is right now that there is going to be a standalone new Batman movie in 2018, I believe. Hmm. And that the rumor is that Mr. Ben Affleck will also be directing it as well as starring in it himself. Whoa. Now, Ben Affleck did Argo. Yes. And Gone Baby Gone. Yes. And The um, Town. The Town. Yeah. In which he, he, was, he played a part in both The Town and in Argo. Right. Um, Argo, he was pretty much the lead star character directing himself. I liked Argo, everything except Ben Affleck's performance. So (laughs) take that as you will. Right. The idea of them trying to do yet another Batman, which I'm all for. I don't think there's anything to ever say that you should never not bring back a character if there's a good story or idea behind it. Right. We've had three or four iterations of Batman, uh, several actors playing him. two different cinematic universes that he's played in. How do you feel about this idea of them trying to bring back Batman just several years after the dark Knight rises new person behind the mask, a new standalone movie and the possibility of Ben Affleck both playing and directing in the film. Well, those are several different questions. I'll try to, I'll try to take them down. 
Batman's my favorite superhero. I know. Always has been. So am I looking forward to seeing him on screen again? Sure. I liked the Burton Batman realm mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Now it is kind of you know weird for me, I guess. I respond more to like the Nolan universe of mm-hmm. Batman. I don't know how I feel about the Zack Snyder universe. I don't feel good at all. Now, I hope. I'll tell you, I, I could, Zack Snyder is what worries me about Batman versus Super, Superman right. because I did not like Man of Steel. I haven't really liked anything else I've seen Zack Snyder do, although I thought Watchmen was, was okay and pretty good. That's what worries me. Even the trailers for Batman versus Superman do not look exciting or fun at all. Um, now, it's intriguing. I like the idea of somebody else doing the Batman movie and not Zack Snyder, but if Zack Snyder is executive producing it or has some hand in it, I'm still very worried about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. And <laughs> Ben Affleck directing himself as Batman, I, I don't know. I don't know how. I actually, in a way, I feel better about that than I do about Zack Snyder. Well, I do too. And also because Kevin, or Kevin Smith and, and Ben Affleck you know, kind of started their careers together a little bit more. You know, Ben Affleck was in Mallrats, right. Chasing Amy, before right. he became a big star. Ben Affleck was a big comic book guy. I mean, supposedly he and Kevin Smith are both comic book nerds, and that's kind of their deal. Okay, I wasn't aware that I knew Smith was. I didn't know yeah. Affleck was. And that's okay. actually one of the reasons you know, Ben Affleck did Daredevil, like the old version oh, back in the 2000s. Wow, that was That bad. wasn't really that good. No. But he did it because he was a big fan of the character and the huh. comics and all that. Okay. So... That being said, maybe having somebody with a lot of passion for the project behind it may be a good thing. I'll tell you right away, the one thing I wish they would do if they did a new Batman film, here's the one aspect of the film that neither the Burton films did or the Nolan films did that I think they have to do. Okay. Make Batman a detective. Uh, He's got to have the intelligence to solve cases or be a detective in his work. He did... I would say maybe there was a little bit of that, maybe in the Nolan stuff, specifically specifically the Dark Knight, when he maybe. was trying to figure out the Joker and trying to do certain things. A little but bit. I, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, um, maybe make him the true detective that he is in the comics and has been for years, you know? And I Okay. And I think that could be an interesting thing for maybe Affleck to go down that road. Mm-hmm. I will say that I remember the Dark Knight series at one point does have a knockdown drag out fight between Superman and Batman. Mm-hmm. If Zack Snyder can somehow stay true to that, I think that would be amazing. And what it reveals about the personalities of Batman and Superman and how they're acting towards one another, it could be kind of interesting. I do not have high hopes for Batman versus Superman. I'll go ahead and say I'd love to be surprised and be, be, be wrong on it. But right now I've seen the trailer. The trailer is dark. Okay. Depressing, uh, very ominous. Does it look like Watchmen or have the kind of Watchmen tone to it? It just doesn't look a lot of fun. Okay. And granted, I'm not saying the movie has to be like bright colors and <laughs> poppy or whatever. But no, we had that with Burton. Yeah, Burton, but it's so. just got to, you know, just give us something that looks fun and something we want to come see. And this so far does not look that way. So we'll, I'm curious to see. But uh, a lot of, lot of still things happening in the comic book universe. I do, I am fearful we may be at that tipping point where... The next few films, if they start to lose a little bit of their box office returns, mm-hmm. we may see that whole glut just start to dry up over a while. I don't know. Um, see that. We'll see. I'll admit, the latest Avengers one was the one where I started to say, okay, maybe I've had enough at this point. <laughs> maybe. Whereas I was saying that with the first Avengers. I know. And I was yeah. still good after the first Avengers. I know Ant-Man's coming out in a couple weeks. I'm actually looking forward to Ant-Man because I really like Paul Rudd. Okay. Um, and I like uh, the director. They've got Peyton Reed Peyton doing Reed. it. Yep. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. But if that one doesn't work for me, that may be the time to say, 
Yeah, let's let's start wrapping this up, guys. Okay. So, all right. Chris, what's the third item you got for us? So you know I'm a big fan of Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Well, I've heard that. In he passing. has passed away, so he will not be making another movie, but somebody is going to take an idea of his that he did a lot. You know, Stanley Kubrick, he labored over any idea that he had to make a movie. He tried to do was thinking about doing a Napoleon movie. That never happened. Well, another idea that he had that I'd never heard anybody talk about. Well, you know, he did AI, but then he handed that off to Steven Spielberg that Mm -hmm. he'd worked far enough along and then he gave that. Okay. Well, there's another one called the downslope. Okay. And what this basically roughly is supposed to be was a trilogy of movies that all have to do with the civil war. And the first one was going to focus on the battles between, uh, Custer and, confederate colonel john singleton who was known as the gray ghost okay. and about how these two men are going up against each other and they're sometimes the gray ghost specifically i guess not being the really good history buff but keeps outwitting custer and like frustrating him hmm. and how they it's like a battle of wills and you know they're just trying to outsmart one another i was very interested shame he didn't get to make it but mm-hmm. they picked mark forrester is going to be the person who's directing it and developing mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and he did finding neverland stranger than fiction mm-hmm. and world war z so which was surprisingly better than we all expected it was going to be right and he is going to direct and produce the first film but then he's going to supposedly just is on board to produce the second and the third mm-hmm. but How's that? I'm I'm really excited just for something like original grants based oh, yeah. on something Kubrick had done. But I'm I'm really kind of interested and looking forward to it. No, I'm absolutely on board with it. I think again, you keep on you know a big theme I think with you and I on the show is we're always looking for something unique, sure, and a little different. And I think where we start to get really run down in our reviews or discussion is when it sounds like we're just churning through the same ideas over and over again. Stanley Kubrick, not all of his films were hits for me. You know, some of them were a couple misfires. But they were at least always interesting and challenging. You right. can give him that. Now, if he started the initial concepts on this. And supposedly, like, he did a lot of production stuff, did, like, storyboards, yeah. like, all this stuff. That's encouraging. So, because even though I was really torn on whether or not I thought AI worked, mm-hmm. in general, I liked it. I had a few problems with it, but I think the problems I had were more with Steven Spielberg's involvement on it and some touches he tried to make as opposed to the concept and the story. If, if Kubrick has really gotten that far, and I do think Mark Forrester is a good serviceable director, he has done some good stuff. He did Quantum of Solace, which I did not think was very good at all, the James <laughs> Bond movie. But Notice how I didn't mention that in the yeah. setup. But, yeah. but he has done some good stuff. Um, this could work. I'm, just, I'm all for any kind of unique, interesting idea to tie together. I mean, we, just, we need some creativity and originality in Hollywood, and so I'll take it any chance we can. Sure. Cool. Well, thanks Anything for bringing that up. I had no idea about that. I hadn't heard about that at all. Good. So recommendation time. Yes. Why don't you, you want to go first? I can. This is okay. again, part of the show where we try to recommend a film that we've either caught up with recently or maybe just re- thought about recently that you can either find online, you can rent, you can stream something of that nature. And, um, I'm going to bring up a film, but I'm also going to tack on a really quick recommendation for a, a pilot episode of a TV show I saw. But the movie recommendation I want to give out is for True Romance from 1993. This was Tony Scott, who is the brother of uh, Ridley Scott, mm-hmm. is now dead, committed yes. suicide several years ago, sadly. Uh, but he was the director 
but a film written by Quentin Tarantino. And that's probably what gives it the most attention nowadays when people look back on it. So this was a film that Quentin Tarantino wrote but did not direct. So there weren't many of those. I think this was maybe one of the few that he wrote but not directed. Right. I got to think, though, that this film probably gave him enough panache to go out and do Reservoir Dogs and all that as well. Uh, you've got Christian Slater, who is going to tie into my TV recommendation in a moment. <laughs> Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, uh, and Gary Oldman playing in a small role, one of his first uh, more interesting roles as well. This movie is violent. It is over the top at places, but there's something about it from a charm standpoint. The relationship between the Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette character is called true romance because that's really what's at the heart of this movie. But yet you watch it and you don't really see the romance is not what you remember when you walk away from it. But if this you isn't think a about movie it, to watch for Valentine's Day. No, it's not. Don't get <laughs> fooled by the name. Okay. But at the heart of the story, it truly is a romance between these two characters. You've got Clarence seeing you know, a Christian Slater character who's a kind of a. I don't know, kind of a loner, kind of a dork, kind of a, hangs out the comic book store, if we want to tie that back to our previous news. And he meets Alabama, who is a prostitute at the time. They meet uh, through an arranged encounter, but actually come to fall for each other and uh, go on a little bit of an adventure with drugs and crime and money and violence and all this stuff. And it's it's a it's a roller coaster of a of a of a movie. It even has a scene that takes place on a roller coaster. I think to kind of imply that, hmm. uh, and it is over the top gratuitous violence, especially towards the end. Uh, tough to watch at times, but something about it is just still charming. And if nothing else, there is a scene with Dennis Hopper talking to Christopher Walken. I don't know if you remember the scene. Or if you I have it. seen this movie once, but it was a long time ago. Chris and Walt, Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper have a confrontation scene about midway through the movie where Dennis Hopper has to give a, a kind of a dialogue, a, a monologue. And it's Quentin Tarantino up and down, left and ask, right. Does and, it um, seem, is there a lot of like Tarantino oh, dialogue? Oh, yeah. I mean, like you could just There's tell. a couple moments where they let the dialogue free, uh, flow free. That's in particular one of them. Okay. Other times, not as much. You get a little bit in some of the uh, Alabama's kind of helping narrate the film a little bit, almost okay. like she's recollecting, recalling huh. the whole experience. So some of the dialogue's good. Uh, some of the dialogue with Gary Oldman as Drexel, kind of a, a drug lord. You can definitely see Tarantino's influence on the writing there. Okay. Again, not one for the kiddies. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of the films I've been recommending lately are not ones you can pop in for family night at the house. Um, but this is one I, I just, it's, it's, it's a film I really like from the early 90s. I think uh, still holds up really well. Okay. Chris, what do you have to share with us? Um, I'm going to recommend The Skeleton Twins, which came out in right. 2014. Okay. And it actually ties back, I guess, in some sort of manner to uh, Inside Out because it also stars uh, Bill Hader. Oh, and, yes, connection um, there, sure. It's uh, Kristen Wiig is the lead actress, and they basically play two twins that are estranged from one another, but their lives are pretty messed up. And they decide to kind of reunite back together and try to sort their lives out. Mm-hmm. Um, not, here again, not a happy-go-lucky family film. Yeah, um, it's it's suicide is mm. a big factor in it. But um, it was one of the first times that I'd actually seen Bill Hader act. Right. Not just be he has some funny moments in the film, but it's it's a drama. And to see him act and be able to be you know really serious and stuff. Thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Kristen Wiig, who kind of along the same lines, I enjoyed her in Bridesmaids, and both mm-hmm. of them were Saturday Night Live cast members. Sure. But to see her kind of take a darker, serious role, 
I, I really enjoyed. So um, Skeleton good. Twins, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. It, <laughs> probably if you are a sibling, probably after watching this movie, you're probably going to want to give your sibling a call. Oh, <laughs> Just be like, hey, how you doing? Just um, kind of check in. I will say, uh, so Bill Hader is going to be in a film later this summer. Train um, train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. So uh very kind of curious to be a kind of a co lead in the movie. He hasn't he's always played supporting roles, always uh smaller parts in the big films, but this is one with Amy Schumer mm. uh, kind of as a lead actress and it's the guys who did Forty Year Old Virgin and uh did um This Is Forty, I forget the guy's name now. Apatow? It's, yeah, Judd okay. Apatow. So his latest film okay, could be a good showcase for a Bill Hader if, if the movie's any good. Uh, I'll just mention before we close out real quick, um, since I mentioned Christian Slater earlier, oh, lo yeah. and behold, to my surprise, right. I get turned on by a friend of mine to check out on USA Network. USA released online a pilot episode for a new show called Mr. Robot. Have I've you seen of, this? I have heard of this, but have not seen okay. it. Mr. Robot, one episode's come out so far, and that's it. Um, the young man who stars in it, and I don't have it pulled up in front of me, or I'll give you his name, but you will recognize him. He was actually in The Master, the Paul Thomas Anderson film. Really? He was one of the Master's disciples, kind okay. of working with him at their, their house and helping with the onboarding of Joaquin hmm. Phoenix during that film. Right. Um, Mr. Robot it also stars Christian Slater. Uh, basically, the show seems to be about a computer hacker vigilante that is getting roped into a bigger conspiracy. Um, it's very nebulous right now, okay. potentially so. But I like the style of the what I saw. It was a very, very serious, very mature piece of work. The computer hacking was about as realistic as I could possibly imagine being portrayed on TV. Okay. And the lead character, the young man, uh, is not your perfect hero guy either he has some real issues and very dark side and that's explored very well in the, in the show okay just a first episode it's been online for a while that you can stream on usa uh, usa's website apple tv some of these other places you could find it and i think the show starts here in the next couple of weeks like officially on okay. usa i can't ever say i've ever watched a tv show on usa but um <laughs> this will be a first but i'm interested in what i see so far so okay all right. i'll have to check that out so with that, we're going to wrap up the show. We have done our reviews of Jurassic World, uh, Inside Out. We gave some movie news having to do with Kubrick and comic books. and Don't forget the, Mr. Zombie. Oh, and Mr. Zombie doing <laughs> a, a Groucho Marx film, which is still baffling to the mind. Uh, and then we gave our recommendations where I had True Romance from the early 90s. Chris had The Skeleton Twins from just a couple, couple about last year, really, last year. I guess. Yeah, sure. So a couple of films we think you ought to check out. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. If you have any questions or anything, Chris, where should people go if they want to reach out to us? If you want to reach out to us, you can always email us at info at TV and just tag it as something to do with uh, Foot Candle Films. You can also go to TV and check out past episodes of our podcast because this I'm not exactly sure what episode number this is, oh, but we have done a lot. 823. Sure, that sounds good. That'll be our number. <laughs> Uh, you can also follow Alan and I on letterboxd.com, which is a site where we, you know, briefly will mention the movies that we're seeing. Yeah. And of course, don't forget, September 25th through the 27th, we got the Foot Candle Film Festival coming to Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, we are in the final stages of reviewing films and making our final determinations. Probably by about the time this episode comes out or the, by the time you're listening to it, we may have announced the films already. So we encourage you to go to footcandle.org. Click on the button for the film festival, and that'll take you to our little sub-site all about the festival. 
and get to learn more about what we're doing there. And if you happen to be in the uh, Western North Carolina area, late September, we'd love to have you come join us. And uh, who knows, we may be doing some podcasting activity around that festival time as well. So stay tuned for that. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.